This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nelly. This week's guest is Todd Van Hoos, President and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Todd Van Hoos next. In rural America, there are three things that never change. The land, the determination of the families that farm it, and the loyalty of their co-ops, which provide the markets, inputs, and agronomic expertise farmers and ranchers need to stay profitable. CHS, the nation's leading cooperative, is proud to connect member cooperatives and producers to the value of an energy, grains, and food company they own. To learn more, visit chsinc.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The farm credit system celebrates its centennial anniversary this year. The ag industry and its farmers have survived and flourished through many challenging circumstances over the past hundred years. Todd Van Hoos, president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council, says while technology and productivity have seen major changes, the core of a farmer's mindset and their significance to the world Anybody that spends some time out in the countryside meeting with farmers knows that the fundamental work ethic, the fundamental love of the land hasn't changed since 1916. And, And you see these kind of generational commitments in families to conserving the land, to taking care of it out there and producing uh, the safe, affordable food that our country enjoys, uh, it, it is really inspiring. And I think anybody, whether they were driving a, a million-dollar combine or a, or a horse in 1916, the, the, the work ethic is the same. The job is the same. Most people don't understand how the technology in agriculture has transformed the energy and is now one of the most tech-centric industries in the world. I was looking inside. We have some photographs of of one of these modern planners out there, and I thought that's the last place I would understand what to do. It it is basically a computer bank on wheels. And if you think about the dramatic changes that that that's driven in in rural America, it it really is a a great story. Uh, There aren't very many industries that you can compare it to in terms of its importance to the world. And so Farm Credit, and, and certainly I personally, am very proud to be part of that. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a tremendous uh, evolution that's going on out there, and, and, and the benefits are felt everywhere. Whether it's investment or whether it's farming, I might have said that you take greater risk or more risk gives you opportunity for more return. But as I look at modern-day agriculture, I just see more risk. You know, it, it, risk is a great question. You know, I, I, I was talking to one of my board members just this week, and he was telling me I'm on round three of trying to plant corn because they had been so wet. And, and I'm sitting there thinking the amazing optimism it takes to go out there and sit through three plantings thinking, i got to get it done, i got to get it done. And it's just sort of amazing to see that kind of uh, attitude out there. It's inspiring. And now when you think about the risks farmers can't control, like world markets and trade agreements and and weather and all the things they have to cope with, um, it it really is a testament to their dedication that, that they even get up and do this every day in ways that most of us who come to work in a coat and tie really can't even fathom. What would you say is the state of the farm economy and the country right now 
versus perhaps the state of your portfolio and the customers that you serve? I think our portfolio mirrors the, the, the ag economy certainly very closely. As we look out there, we do see some trouble. I mean, we've seen some some uptick in, in troubled loans in the farm credit system. It has not been a big one. It, it's nothing we can't handle. It's nothing we weren't prepared for. But as you see farmers in many areas going into year two, or if you're a cotton farmer, year three, of very tough pricing, um, certainly that has some toll out there, and, and we're seeing that. I, I think you know a couple of good things to, to, to realize as we go into this, and we certainly we certainly thought this was coming, frankly, and we were preparing for it. But I think farmers enter this with very, not individual farmers, but on in total, you know, in the aggregate. Farmers enter into this period with very strong balance sheets, uh, very low uh, loan-to-asset to ratios, you know, low leverage. And then probably one of the greatest stories of all is the low interest rate environment. So, you know, as compared to the 1980s where people were paying 16, 17, 18 percent, uh, people right now are paying three, four, five percent, and that makes an enormous difference in their ability to weather the storm. How much of a difference is the outlook now as it was 90 days ago when corn and soybean prices were not at the levels they're showing today? The the outlook is better, but we all know how variable that can be. I mean, you know, the, the, there's a lot of people who could give you a better explanation than I can about why the prices bumped up in the last couple of weeks. But my guess is they could just as easily bump the other way in the coming weeks. And a lot of this is going to depend on on weather. A lot of this is going to depend on economics in other countries. And there's just not much you can do to control it. And and so as you see these fluctuating prices, farmers are just going to have to be pretty nimble in their marketing plans. And, and it's another thing they're going to have to manage. The, the two areas during the run-up in prices, I'm told that perhaps maybe challenging farmers today is maybe too much money spent on machinery and, and cash rents or land purchases that are stressing them now. But we know that it takes modern technology to increase productivity. And we also know that this is still a business of economics of scale. So there are places where you are forced to expand to be able to cash flow the business. So as there were swings that farmers could not predict in the early 80s, how do you work through these needs today of making sure they're equipped uh, mechanically and that they have uh, the opportunity and the land to be able to keep their operations running? One of the things we're frankly proudest of in, in the farm credit system is how much attention we can pay to individual customer members. You know, it, it, whether it's something in the Midwest where you've got a more traditional row crop operation where a lot of the thought processes you just described are, are, are very accurate, or whether you get out to California where really it's a totally different ball game. You know, we are able at Farm Credit to, to go on the farm, to look at the individual operation and understand exactly what that producer is facing, whether it's, you know, peaches in California or soybeans in, Ar- in Iowa or rice in Arkansas, and, and really have a firsthand knowledge about what it takes to get the job done out there. And, and that really is probably the most important thing about the farm credit system. It's the expertise that's in our loan officers. It's the experience of the producers themselves who sit on our boards of directors who make sure we understand the industry we're supposed to be serving. You know, as you, as you look at a lot of agriculture right now, um, there's a lot of pressure to, 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 to be viable, to, to grow your operation so you can weather the storm. 
And, and that's sort of a top-line headline, right? But on the other side of this, we're seeing a lot of innovation out there as well, especially on the small side. The two leading candidates for the White House right now neither really have a favorable view of trade. Is that a concern from the lender perspective? It really is. And, you know, it, it, I think a lot of the rhetoric in these primaries directed toward trade is troubling for agriculture. You know, these trade agreements are critical. They're, they're critical not only to the economic viability of the U.S. agriculture sector, but, but more specifically, they're critical to, to ending hunger in other nations. You talk about the troubled spots as you look around the globe, and, and Senator Stabenow had this comment to us, you look at the troubled places around the globe, and one of the problems they have is they can't feed themselves. And so, you know, the ability of U.S. agriculture to export is absolutely critical, not only from an economic standpoint, but from a national security standpoint. And so as I see these sort of shorthand discussions of trade, um, and, and everybody understands trade impacts people differently. Everybody understands that there are sort of specific locales and specific industries that sometimes trade's tough on. But overall, in agriculture, trade has been a huge boon to the U.S. producer, and, and we certainly want to make sure people understand that. In all this rhetoric around this political campaign, we don't want to lose the central fact that economic viability and feeding the world are two critical parts, and that's one of the reasons we have trade. In your opinion, what's the effect on rural America? What's the effect on farm credit if we reel in our attempt to satisfy global markets? Oh, I think it will be very difficult. I mean, if, if you think about the amount of agricultural exports that this country produces and the add-on economic value that it has, not just in rural America, but in urban America. I mean, you know where the, the ports are all in, in urban areas. So a lot of the processing is in urban areas. And so the, the value of agricultural trade is, is across the country. And so you would see enormous impacts, I think, if we weren't able to, to export the amount and, and even more as we move forward. I mean, some of us are old enough to remember the, the grain embargoes, right? And we saw the devastation that that makes. It's the same today. And, and the, the idea that the U.S. can retrench from trade around the world, is, it just doesn't make any sense because two things would happen. You know, we would be very negatively economically impacted, and hungry places would get more troubling. And I think that's where people need to focus when they talk about trade moving forward. One of the panels that you had during your centennial celebration did concentrate on the young, the beginning, and the small farmer and the opportunities and challenges that are there. Is there a place in this modern-day agriculture for the beginning, the young, the small farmer? Oh, absolutely. I, I think there's tremendous opportunities out there in agriculture for young people. And, and you know, we, we heard that in our panelists. Uh, everything from, uh, you know, young sort of getting into the market, specialty markets, uh, direct-to-consumer operations, to the traditional and, and, frankly, one of the things that, that is toughest to crack in rural America right now is is intergenerational transfer of agriculture. Uh, you know, tax policy can be tough on that, uh, a lot of other things. And, and so as we look at it, you know, we view very much part of our job is to facilitate that next generation of agriculture. It's one of the reasons we held that panel. And, you know, I got a lot of questions this week about, well, what's the policy solution to that? And, and I, 
I keep emphasizing, you know, there's a lot of good policies already out there. Uh, we've got a good farm bill. We've got a good crop insurance program. We've got good young and beginning farmer programs. But, but the mistake people sometimes make is they think this is a one-size-fits-all deal. And as we've grown to look at this and, and really, you know, our farmer-owned directors on our co-ops, uh, you know, put a lot of pressure on farm credit to deliver for this next generation of agriculture. And what we have found is this is a one-at-a-time thing. You've really got to look at the specifics. Uh, you've got to provide mentoring, education opportunities, financial training. All of the tools that a farmer needs besides just growing are things we're focused on providing. And, and I think there's a bright, bright future for American agriculture uh, because I, I think, you know, look, they're not making any more arable land. And fundamentally, there's a market opportunity for people here, and, and we're trying to find ways to get people to take advantage of it. Let's talk just for a moment, and obviously we'll begin to be focusing soon on the uh, next Farm Bill. Uh, it is a situation that's happened now for two years in a row. The Farm Service Agency has run out of funds for its operating loan program, and some would consider this as a opportunity of last resort. What's that a symptom of? Well, you know, we have seen an uptick. I think uh, Secretary Vilsack talked about it when he spoke to our group. We've seen an uptick in FSA, both direct and guaranteed loans, uh, certainly straining those budgets down at USDA. Uh, you know, as you see uh, commodity prices, you know, dip, uh, even though they bumped up a little back, they're nowhere near where they were. As you see those dips, certainly some of the folks who are most vulnerable are, are the beginning farmers who don't have a lot of equity. And, and you really are making cash flow lending decisions on them. And so as those folks get impacted by cash flow projections, you know, the, the, the need for FSA loans goes up. And frankly, we've been partnering with a bunch of people around town, including commercial bankers and others, to, to tell that story about how this program is really important uh, to keeping some folks in business. You know, we'll do our part. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, like, like other financial institutions, uh, sometimes we need a little support to make sure we can stick with that customer, and FSA has been an important partner allowing us to do that. So we're hopeful Congress might uh, find a way to, to boost those programs a little bit, even if temporarily, uh, to see us through this rough patch. But, but irrespective of that, and we hope they will, but irrespective of that, we're going to continue to support our customers and work with them one at a time and, and try to find ways to make them successful through this downturn. Given the state of the agriculture economy as it is today and in the circumstances we've been in, has you been forced to turn people away or more people away than, than normal? You know, we had we had a lot of conversations around that um, about a month ago because you know, in the farm credit system, it's not true universally, but in, in a lot of the farm credit system, the spring loan renewal season is when we get our our best look at finances for the farmer. It's when they come in and talk about, okay, here's how last year went, here's our expectations and plans for this year, and here's our balance sheet and income statement and projections. And so as we came through that, discussion this spring we were frankly i think a little bit surprised at the strength out there and so no we hadn't had to turn a lot of folks away we haven't seen a deep dip in farm finances uh that that, that would that would you know be a big trend or anything like that now individual cases absolutely sure there there have been some folks who who have essentially made some decisions around what kind of operation am i going to 
uh, evolved to to get through this downturn. And so you have seen some shrinking uh, operations. You've seen some changing operations. Uh, a lot of farmers putting off new equipment purchases. A lot of renegotiation around cash rents, that sort of thing. A lot of focus on family living expenses, family, frankly. And so, uh, you know, farmers have been amazingly adaptable and so far so good. I think we seem to be getting through this okay. Uh, I guess our, our worry is more on the individual customer side where you see, again, you know, two years is tough. Three years is going to be tougher if it's a third. And and so we don't know where we're going to be next year, but but certainly right now things are holding their own. As again, we think about uh, new policy uh, and think about the appropriation process that is coming up in Washington, there are challengers for crop insurance. What is the role of crop insurance, not just uh, in the, the operating of the farm, but the ability to secure credit to operate the farm? Crop insurance is absolutely essential. And a, and a healthy, well-funded crop insurance program is is probably the backbone of the risk management strategies of most farmers in America today. And and if you're a lender like the farm credit system, you absolutely look at that. I mean, it is it is really important tool for farmers to be able to manage their risk. And so we we absolutely uh, take that into account. It it's it's you know, it's not something that we're going to say you got to go do but but most farmers today certainly are taking advantage of 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 that risk protection that's available through crop insurance and we we do encourage it you know this is this is, when i talk about the next farm bill I, amazingly it'll be my fifth one in washington and I, I don't think i you know in that first one i don't think i ever would have predicted we would have a program like crop insurance that had evolved to be the central sort of farm support program that it is today and and but I can tell you it is absolutely vital out there and as we work in Washington one of the most important messages we can talk about is keep keep uh, crop insurance whole let's make sure we continue to provide that out there uh, because it is certainly worth the investment made by the federal government in helping farmers manage their risk how is the challenge of monetary policy not just in the US but global monetary policy what challenge does that provide for your farmers? You know, it, it is providing some, obviously, a, a little bit of uh, benefit, but also some some specific challenges. You look at at monetary policy that has probably impacted currency exchange rates. Uh, you've got an enormously strong dollar right now, which makes it a little tougher in overseas markets for U.S. ag products. At the same time, we, we you know we've had a pretty lax monetary policy out there that has kept interest rates low for frankly far longer than anybody would have anticipated. Uh you know you, you know farmers have been locking in long-term interest rates at historically low levels. And as you go through some of these economic cycles, the fact that you're paying very little for the money you rent is is very important. And so even though now I I guess you know we we're probably in a rising interest rate environment, you know, I, nobody can predict least of all me how fast and how far, but but I don't think there's any room to go go down, so it's almost going to have to go up and and as we see that, I, I don't think anybody right now is predicting quick increases or steep increases, but suddenly, you know, certainly some rising interest rates as we move forward. There's discussion about reauthorization and work inside the Commodity Futures Trading Commission uh, and obviously regulation over speculation into the commodity market. Is that on your radar? You know, obviously, uh, farm credit <laughs> system doesn't really have a lot of 
positions directly on speculative okay. limits or anything like that, but I can tell you this. We see a lot of the impact of fluctuating prices out there in the marketplace, whether it's uh, you know calls on hedges, uh, whether it's the increased working capital that grain merchants have to keep on hand to be able to, to deal with these swings. Uh, but the swings are having a big impact out there. And, and when, you, when you go through a couple of weeks like we've gone through right now, where suddenly you see this bump, and then you're waiting, wait, are we going to drop? Are we going to bump again? We're up limits each day. It really has a, a, an effect on farmers, and, and we think it's the new normal, frankly. We think this volatility in markets is going to continue, uh, and there's not much at CFTC or anybody else is going to do. Maybe we can shave some edges off of it. But it's the new normal, and, and people are going to find ways to strategize and, and plan their businesses around it. How do you respond to those who challenge that farm credit is operating outside of its mission statement and has an unfair advantage? Our bankers fundamentally misunderstand the farm credit system. Look, the, the, the bankers out there, community bankers especially, are doing great things in their communities, and, and we want to be partners with them in that. Um, but it, it pains me to hear how they describe the farm credit system because they just fundamentally mischaracterize it. I don't think it's intentional, frankly. I think it's just ignorance. I think they don't understand what we do. You hear a lot of them talk about, well, farm credit was created just to serve this segment of agriculture or that segment of agriculture, and it's just not true. Farm credit was created to serve all of agriculture, and it and has done a great job in 100 years doing that. And then they get into questions around, well, what are you doing financing telecom? And what are you doing financing water? Well, those are just some of the things that are going to make rural America successful. I mean, that's all that is. And, and so it's really important what we're doing out there. We've made a $20 billion investment in rural infrastructure in this country that pays dividends for rural families and rural jobs every day. And so I, I, I understand if I were a community banker uh, and I were feeling some of the regulatory pressures and market pressures that they were feeling, I'd probably look for somebody to strike out against too, but farm credit's not their problem. Tom Van Hoos, we want to thank you for spending time with us here on this edition of Open Mic. And, sir, it's Open Mic, and you have an open forum. Well, I, thanks for having me on. I, you know, this has been a big week for the farm credit system, the 100th anniversary, the centennial of something that has helped this country so much. And we feel very proud about the job that Farm Credit's done. We feel great about the support we've provided to American agriculture and to rural communities out there. And as we look back at the accomplishments on 100 years of fulfilling our mission, all we are is inspired about the ability to go 100 more. So we're looking forward to find more ways out there to serve our customers, to find more ways out there to support rural communities, and to partner with folks in, in efforts to do that. So, you know, as we look at the back at our hundred years, we're we're a little humbled by the achievements, but we're very excited about the opportunities moving forward. Our thanks to Todd Van Hoos, President and CEO of the Farm Credit Council, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nelly.